Gang, since they opened in 2012, I've been talking about the amazing rehearsal spaces and fabulous recording studio at Space Rehearsal and Recording here in Austin. Well, gang, Space has upped their game over the last couple of years and added a couple of new factions. One is a video production studio. Space ATX has taken the major leap forward in their evolution to serve Austin's music community with their new video production department. They're now offering professional video production for bands, live streaming, live sessions, podcasts, and just about anything you can imagine. They've also added a creator studio. Maybe you want to take your TikTok or YouTube videos to the next level, or it's time to stop using your cell phone pics for all of your PR photos. Their newest production room is waiting for you. You can also book their in-house video or photography services or bring a freelancer to get the job done yourself. That's space, rehearsal, and recording located just a few short miles south of downtown Austin. They now offer rehearsal studios, audio recording, video production, a creator studio, and more. Go to spaceatx.com to find out more. And take the talent train from Schmoesville to ProTown with space, rehearsal, recording, and video production. Let's get down. Hey gang, I want to make a quick announcement. Since we started this podcast in 2011, only the last 20 episodes have been available on the streaming services. You had to go back to the Podbean app or to the website, howdidigethere.podbean.com, to access past the 20 last 20 episodes. Well, gang, big surprise. As of now, the last 100 episodes are available on all streaming sites. That includes the From the Vault episodes. All of the episodes, the last 100 episodes from this episode back are available now on all streaming services, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Stitcher. Go there. Whichever one you're subscribed to, whichever one you use the most, go subscribe to How Did I Get Here. Follow us, rate us, leave us a comment if you can, and, uh, and check out the episodes, man. Get out there and enjoy the last 100 episodes of How Did I Get Here on your favorite streaming services. Let's get down. Johnny, I'm your host. Welcome to the show. I hope you guys have all had a good week. It's been a tough week for the music family here in Austin with the loss of Brad Hauser on Monday. Uh, I want to thank all the people that reached out and had something nice to say about how that conversation uh, brought them brought them some peace while they were grieving, being able to listen to it. So I'm glad that we're able to provide that service. I'm sad to have to do it. It's a sad thing. And uh, the hits just keep coming. I just found out a little while ago that uh, Sinead O'Connor passed away. I don't really know what happened there. It's a sad, sad thing. Sad. What a world, huh? I guess that's, that's, uh, <laughs> it's part of the, it's, it's part, it's the only, you know, that's the, you know, it's all, it's always going to happen. Anyway, uh, starting out on that note, it's always exciting. Uh, I should be on my way to Pittsburgh or in Pittsburgh playing tonight. With Fastball, I'm doing this a couple of days before I leave to get this stuff done and make sure it all gets done and posted and ready to go because I do have a great, great show for you guys today. Fantastic show. Uh, my friend Evan Charles from the band Alta Mesa is now releasing his debut solo album. It's called Between Two Worlds. It comes out next week, August 3rd. 
Get out there and check it out. He'll be celebrating with a release show Thursday, August 3rd at Antone's here in Austin. Go to evancharles.net to find out anything you need about the show and about the record, how to get it. This is, as I said, this is his debut solo record, and he's from the band Alta Mesa. Alta Mesa continues, and he's going to continue making music and all that stuff. But uh, it's coming out, this record, Between Two Worlds, is coming out on Mr. Pink Records, our friend Jonas Wilson's label. And they're having a, uh, a Waterloo in-store on Friday, August 4th. So, uh, yeah, as I said, go to evancharles.net. This record's really, really great, man. He's such a great songwriter. You can check out these singles, Time to Move On, Low Road Running, and Remember When. Uh, they just played July 4th at Hotspot. We have a really great conversation about that. And uh, this record was produced by Evan Charles and uh, his friend Scott Davis and then mixed by our dear friend Jonas Wilson from Mr. Pink Records. So, yes. Uh, we have a great conversation about what he's been up to the last few years, the difference between Alta Mesa mu- uh, music and the music that he's making on his own. Some of his experiences since uh, last we've talked, he was in the last version of Project ATX6, which is this really interesting uh, nonprofit and program that took musicians and songwriters from Austin and uh, took six different ones and took them somewhere or a couple of places in the world like Japan, Europe, Canada, all these different places and kind of had showcases and sort of showed off the music of Austin, its diversity and how interesting it could all be. Uh, sadly, that's that's gone now. And the guy that started it moved up to, uh, I think, to the Pacific Northwest or something. Anyway, Evan and I have a fantastic conversation. He's a really sweet dude. I love him. I think he's immensely talented and just a fantastic songwriter. I love this album, Between Two Worlds. Get it. Drops August 3rd. Get out there and check out the singles. Enjoy it. Go to evancharles.net to find out more about the show at Antone's on Thursday, August 3rd. And uh, enjoy my conversation with me and my friend, Evan Charles. Let's get down. Yes. Yeah, I'm doing like a support slot at uh, Antone's on August 3rd for uh, this guy, William Beckman, who I kind of jumped on his bill because I, you know, being honest with myself, probably can't sell a ticket or, you know, sell a few tickets, (laughs) but I figured it'd be better to get in front of a pretty full house and try and sling some CDs and shirts that way. It's hard to sell tickets, man. Yeah. So you're making, you're going to make CDs? Yeah, they're in the mail. That's kind of, you know, I'm do the Mr. Pink thing with Jonas and his kind of standard operating is like, let's do some CDs, do some tapes, do some shirts. And uh, yeah, start with that. Man, his, uh, your record is fucking incredible. Your songs are great. You are, you are, Thanks, you're, you're an animal. Oh man, thank like you. You, are, you really are. You're fucking great. He's uh, uh, like that record. He did an amazing job mixing it. Yeah. Yeah, he and especially considering and he, it too. he wasn't there for the session and he just, you know, that's not the normal way. That's not my normal working relationship with him. So for him to take some stuff that we tracked without him there and then, you know, basically just glue it all together sonically like he did, I was, uh, yeah, I was happy with it. It's interesting with this, like in modern times, because this record that you made, like we'll get into like the recording of it, but, you know, this music isn't, you know how like modern you, okay, let me go back to like 
late 90s, early 2000s, when it was like the Lord Algae mixing world, where there's just this heavy compression so that no mm-hmm. matter anywhere you listen to it, it sounds like it's exploding out of the speakers. The Oasis principle. Right. Yeah. You, can, you can't do that with, like I made a rec, an EP a few years ago with Scrappy that was in the same world of music that, that yours is, that uh-huh. existed in that same world. I'm not, you know, it sure. wasn't the same thing, but you can't, you can't lay that trip no. on on these recordings and have it like that's what I was thinking that's I was like Jonas really found a way to make it sound super alive mm-hmm. without attacking you Sonic you know what I mean yeah well and he he has he had a good instinct for which instruments to highlight on which songs and then also how to navigate those through uh, different instrumental passages and stuff too so like some songs you hear the piano fluttering a little more on top and the electric yeah. guitar is a little more buried. Yeah. And he's, yeah, I mean, the guy's got a great ear. He's, you know, a guy in both of our lives for a reason. And it's because he's, you know, a great dude, but he's also just like amazing at what he does. Amazing. Yeah. Um, is that Ricky playing on the first song? No, uh, that's Jesse Ebaugh on oh. steel. He played bass and steel wow. from the tender things. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, so I got Jesse in on it. You know, I was like, kind of had a time in mind. I wanted to try and do some tracking and Ricky was still on tour with Steve Earle and the Dukes. Um, and, but I know he knows, you know, he plays in Jesse's band, the tender things as well. Right. And he kind of recommended that Jesse could probably okay. play some steel and, um, and then kind of at the last minute, Jesse was like, you know, I can also play bass. I completely had blocked out of my brain that he was a bass player from Heartless Bastards original oh, right. incarnation. And uh, he's like a total badass bass player. So the floor band was him on bass, um, Scott Davis, the producer on guitar, Wes Cargill from... Uh, Harvest Thieves and Not in the Face on drums. Okay. And then Jesse overdubbed the steel you know, after, the bass. after, after right. basics. Right. So. Well, it just it. So you guys cut it live. Yeah, that was like a big thing that I wanted to do yeah. for the. It's like, I think that I, these songs are not the. They're not going to like burn the world down with like how, you know, they're not like edgy. They're not like crazy. I just wanted to like capture a live energy to, you know, get close to that. You know what I mean? And how old are you now? 34. So do you feel old? Um, like in the world of, of entertainment and music, like do you look at, at Instagram I think I'm in and the TikTok? middle, man. Okay. I feel, that's I mean, good. That's good. All the technology stuff, I, I'm like, pff, whatever, man. Like, but I mean, the fact that I do, that I do have, but that I do have this, and I do have Alta Mesa, as I mentioned before we started recording, is going down kind of more back down like a punk rock yeah. electric guitar, yeah. like higher energy type of thing. I feel like I get to live in both worlds. Um, and I, I don't know. It's a good place to be for me personally right now. There's like that Neil Young balance. Yeah, you know totally. What I mean? No, that's like, a huge, huge inspiration for this. Like yeah. you've got you've got Crazy Horse. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. You can go do that whenever yeah, you he want. Can, he can do Harvest and he can do uh, yeah. Tonight's the Night. Back to back. No problem. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, and that was another influence for cutting the record, you know, more or less on the floor, um, was, you know, the Neil Young, Tonight's the Night, 
you know, just doing everything. He, that whole record was on the floor, warts and all, you know? And uh, I, I, I bet yeah. if, he, like, you and I and Jonas and people in our world go, like, we go back through our favorite records, probably most of them are, because there's something, like, that. that that's where the... That's where the magic lives. I agree. And I wanted to see if I could participate in that. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah, it's funny. That record that I did uh, a few years ago with Scrappy, mm-hmm. uh, that was the same. Like it was, there was even one that the vocal was off the floor. Yeah. Oh, we, yeah. That's another. We did vocals, all vocals on the floor for this record. Really? Except for the, well, obviously there's some that are double tracked. Right, right. right. Double tracked vocals I did. You did all of them? Harmony vocals we sure. overdubbed, but the the main vocal cuts for the record are all on the floor. Because um, again, I just wanted to snap. I wanted to snap that photograph, as, yeah. as Neil Young would say, because we've been painting the picture of Alta Mesa for years, and I just wanted to totally uh, turn things upside down for my own process. So. Did it take a little bit of a switch in, in your mind to sort of like pool the MG back and sort of like be like, there's a calmness to this, like a, a mature guy made this record. It you know was what I mean? not, not like a, a old guy, but like a guy that is in control of his faculties. doesn't need to scream at any point. Yeah. can get his point across just by speaking clearly. It was the right timing. I mean, you know, like most, most musicians will know that it's, you know, the turnaround time between, when the songs are current for you and when you cut a record and when you're able to finally have it finished mix and mastering and then release can be like so long that by the time you're finished with, you're getting to the release part of that process. It's like, well, cool. Super stoked to put out this record that I did two and a half years ago. I have no connection to anymore. You know? And so with this, I kind of saw an opening to, uh, cause during COVID I just went, you know, everyone just went back to solo shows essentially. And so I had been doing a lot of strumming and singing of these songs and I was only off work for about five weeks before I kind of got back on my normal schedule. But during that, that, what's your, uh, Texas coffee traders, I'm a coffee roaster. Awesome. Um, excuse me. Um, anyway, so, but I had been demoing during that time off too, as I'm, you know, most people you've had on the show in the last few years probably were. And, uh, I got a text from Wes Cargill, the drummer who lives in Gilmer and was getting his mobile studio set up and saying, Hey, do you have any demos I can try some drum stuff on? And I was like, Oh buddy, you asked the right guy. I have, I have like a whole album's worth of demos. Here they all are. And, And they were all to a click. And so I was able to hear back what it could sound like with drums, with what he sent me back and then me playing bass and everything else. So I got, I got to hear it that way. I had been playing them a lot. And then leading up to the recording of the album, I was able to get a two-month run at the White Horse. So we were doing all of those songs live every week leading up to the session. So it was all very like... Oh, that's great. Fluid and in the pocket. Yeah, yeah. And that's why we were able to work so fast. So That's great. When did you record it? Um, in July of last year, July of 22... Um, pretty much exactly a year ago. That's uh, amazing. We did it on July 11th week of, so we're, today's July 5th recording. So pretty close to a year. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty awesome, man. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. I'm happy with it. I was super stoked with how it turned out. Do you, uh, are you going to go, do you go out and play like out of town? Do you go on the road and 
I try. I'm still. I'm. Oh, wait, you're doing. You're leaving like this. You're playing like Philadelphia, New York this week. <laughs> yeah, like the week that we're doing this podcast. Yeah, not when it comes yeah. Out. Uh, to to tomorrow, wow. as of the time yeah. of this recording, right. I'm flying to New York uh, and Philadelphia. Yeah, and for the release, for the release cycle in early August, um, I'm going. I've got the Saturday the fifth in Lockhart because I have enough friends who have moved out that yeah. in that general direction <laughs> yeah. to go. Yeah. You know, I'm doing Antones on the third on that support slot, and that'll be for a lot of people who I don't know and don't know me. Yeah. And uh I kinda wanted to just do more of like a one for my friends a few nights later. Yeah. And uh we're going to Houston on August twelfth right do you now. Play there? Um, Dan Electro is oh, where cool. this is going to be. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with That's like Splice Records or Sean Brennan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I am. Yeah, I've, I've met him a couple times. Yeah, super nice guy. Um, yeah. Way back, he invited when I was in the Happenings. He invited us to go play at Fitzgerald's, opening up for Craig Kinsey. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was when I met him, and we stayed at his house. And he's been kind of just like a cool, like occasional collaborator, putting stuff together with yeah. him since then so we're going to houston um and i'm actually flying to portland for just like some brewery dates in mid-august um mostly because chris brecht lives there now all right Um, the atx6 guy yeah and he can put me up and i you know was able to get enough guarantees for these shows to cover my plane tickets and i was like all right that's all i need yeah got to cover my travel and and i'm good so I'm bopping around, man, or trying to uh, as much as I can, just uh, hustling up my own emails. Yeah. Yeah. Did were you in the last version of AT the last yeah year of it? Yeah, yeah. Right, right under the gun. <laughs> Who else was uh, Project ATX Six? Was a thing where this guy Chris Brecht would get uh, six people, six artists, and then take them to somewhere in Europe. It was always a different. Didn't they go to Japan one time and shit? Like they always take uh, them somewhere. Yeah, there was always kind of always Canada is the first, okay. and then in the last handful of years, he did kind of one like Eastern country, uh, Japan. Well, he he did Japan, and then he did Vietnam, and our year he did Thailand. Oh wow! And then he would always have one that's in Europe as well, whether it was Germany or France or the one that we missed out on because of COVID was we were going to go to uh, Brighton, England. Oh, so that would have been the Atlantic crossing, but we, right. we did the Pacific crossing right before COVID hit. So lucky dude, I was scared. We were going to get stuck over there to be honest with you. Yes. Yeah. It was already kind of being talked about. Um, but I couldn't have been, more relieved when that plane left the tarmac in Japan and we were on our way. So back, yeah. back stateside. Jesus. Who all was in your thing with you? Um, so Leslie, who I know you're playing Leslie that show Sisson, coming yeah, up with. Love yeah. Her. Love Leslie. Um, Mike St. Clair, um, pocket sounds is his, you know, yeah. but he's kind of session guy extraordinaire and, uh, Jonathan Horseman, urban heat, yeah. um, Catherine Legender, um, and Alicia Lani. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was Love great, Alicia. man. Dude, it was a it was a great group. I really you know, you form you form fast bonds in situations like that. So Yeah. Yeah. Alicia Lani spent like a there was like a, a year and a half period where she was very sexy on Instagram and then she ended it. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, she used to be like <laughs> super to active. Be a lot of like a lot of like naked but you couldn't see the stuff photos. You yeah, know what she, I mean? She was going for it. <laughs> she was she was grow she was growing the following, man, I guess. 
I have a friend that got real sad when it was like, hey man, at least oh. he hasn't posted in like a month. <laughs> I know you get used, you get used to the rhythm and then it's like, oh man, uh, I guess, I guess they're gone from our social media lives now. Yeah. So there was, was there no end like thing? Cause I remember going to the state side for one of those things and they had made a movie. Yeah. There wasn't like a big ending event. We did kind of like, because we had to, that was like 2020. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we went to mosaic. Uh, and did like an exit interview kind of thing. Oh, cool. And, excuse me, and then we, uh, drinking sparkling water on a podcast. Yeah. So, <laughs> got to turn the head every once in a while. And we did kind of like just sort of individual uh, film performances. However, in lieu of doing like the stateside thing and the live concert and the screening or whatever, because he didn't have to immediately pivot to planning the next season he was able to kind of like have more extensive conversations with PBS. Oh, cool. Um, and KLRU in particular here in Austin. Right. And, uh, and get it. He got a couple local, like local PBS screenings and he got one national PBS screening. So that's great, man. That was kind of like a, you know, a cool consolation in terms of everything got cut short, but the, the silver lining there was, was being able to actually get the thing on TV. Yeah. So, and now he doesn't, that's so weird. Like mosaic's gone. Yeah. ATX, I know. Project ATX six isn't happening. Is now, is now in PDX. Yeah. I think he wants to eventually do like a PDX ATX exchange, but he also just had a baby. He and, oh, Me- yeah. he and Megan just had a kid. So I think he's probably uh, focusing on that. So, um, you got married. You just were talking about yeah, that yeah. in 2021. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah, thanks, man. Um, what does she do? She is an, she's an architect. I guess technically you have to say architectural designer before you've gone through all of your life. All oh, right, right. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, she, uh, she's an architect. She, she finished grad school, uh, last year and just started her job at Lake Flato, based out of San Antonio, in in uh, January. She go to uh, UT Architecture. School? Yeah, yeah, awesome. UT, UT grad school. So uh, I was super proud of her because when I when we met, that was like not even an idea. Um, and then she just kind of like decided. I think I think this is what I want to do, and I think I can be good for this. And she basically went to uh you know columbia in new york city for like a five week like intensive basically boot camp program to see like if you can hack it and she came out of that feeling like she you know as at a beginner level was able to slide in and know what she was doing pretty easily and uh from that point on just went about getting her prereqs all all uh cinched up and ended up getting into the ut grad school and you know three and a half years later She's has a job now, standing desk at home and a walking pad and everything. So that's fantastic. Oh, she's getting to work, working out of the house. Yeah. That's she's great. So she's doing a, a few days a week at home and then in the office a couple of days a week. So awesome. Yeah, man. My dog is freaking out on this. Pillow. It's pretty <laughs> awesome. My cousin watches her from time to time. Whenever she starts doing the pillow humping thing, she starts sending me videos. Like your dog's like fucked up. You know, and you know what I love about this record? By the way, it's called Between Two Worlds. It drops August 3rd. Um, but there's three singles out right now. Time to Move On, uh, uh, Low Road Running, running and uh, Remember When. 
I can't read my my writing sometimes. <laughs> it's like looking at that first word. I was like, is that love? Like L-U-V or L- love L-O-W? Love road running. <laughs> I know you're not that foolish. Um, what I love is there's a couple musical interludes in there that I really love. I love that. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I love that that somebody took the time to make an album. <laughs> you know what I mean? Making out like a piece of work that has like even a couple just like, Hey, this is just like a little music to get oh, you. Oh, you mean you mean songs. you mean but the the there's little, like a couple little like like yeah, yeah totally they're... man yeah those are fun those are just like it you know probably not coincidentally um, they're kind of before like the two most like minor key like vibey right spacey songs they're almost like little palate cleansers totally yeah totally <laughs> yeah. yeah I figured those maybe like it's just like it's just like setting up the next scene in a sense you know yeah. was there any apprehension uh, like uh, because like once again like I feel like uh, like the headspace that we're in we listen to albums and Mm -hmm. we Mm -hmm. take albums seriously but the rest of the world doesn't really do that anymore so was there any apprehension did you have any apprehension to like putting out one giant piece of work as opposed to a a bunch of little guys once a month you know what I mean Mm -hmm. I do know what you. I do know what you mean, and I, not really. And it's you know it's half of it or some some portion of it is, yes, I do love the long the long play format. I do love being like as as the person making it. I love being able to like have a beginning and end point and sort of shape the shape the flow and 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 frame it in an intentional way. Yeah, but at the same time maybe a more sort of practical application of why I, of why I did the LP first is that because this solo project is a new thing, I don't have a catalog. Right. You give I, you some content. See, well, just like literally just like a foundational piece. And from here I can do EPs or singles or whatever, but I needed, I felt, I felt like I needed to get out kind of like a full batch just to like, you know, have everything else be yeah. able to to rest on yeah so that was a thought process i guess do, do you as a as a music fan do you listen to music in like as albums uh yeah i mean i if it's if it's something where it's like I, that's my first go-to is to is to start the album okay and let it run um but I also do like the mixed playlists and stuff. And so basically like I'll try and do just like a little sampler and see if anything really catches my ear. Yeah. And then if it's like, whoa, that's like serious, then I'll like try and go back to whatever record that came from and, and run it. All right. Is that how you find new music is listening to playlists? It's Spotify, yeah, yeah, basically. Because as a coffee roaster, I'm like plugged in all, all day, all the time, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. As, where's Texas coffee roasters uh it's across the well at least for the next few months it's across the street from scoot in at fourth oh, yeah fourth and navasota I, I think my friend drent worked there oh yeah I, yeah kind of tall guy yeah yeah great singer yeah um oh rod yeah rod yeah. exactly yeah yes. yeah yeah that, he, it, very recently his professional name totally totally yeah. yeah yeah he's a good guy yeah seemed like it um so uh all right so where do you find, like, what, what playlist do you, is there a playlist you go to? Like, you don't listen to New Music Friday, do you? Because sometimes that shit makes me feel like I'm listening to, like, hey, you want to hear how AI writes songs? Here you go. <laughs> like, you know. No, I mean, it's just kind of suggestions off of what I'm listening to 
Yeah. And I'm basically, I'm, a lot of what I'm listening to is I'm kind of just like, if there's a band we're playing with, right. uh, whatever band I'm playing with on the next show or handful of shows, I'll like kind of dive in so I have some context and right. it'll, you know, adjust from there, I guess. Yeah. But. I, 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 I went through a thing in like the summer of 2021 where I realized like, I, unless it's like getting ready for the podcast, mm-hmm, sure. I, I listen to people's records. Sure. If it's a record or I listen to a bunch of their different music and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will listen to an album a few times. Uh, but at, for enjoyment, I I would put on Spotify and like before this song would be over, I would already think of another song I wanted to hear. Mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. sometimes I even let the song end. Does that mean <laughs> you're a user of the queue? A little bit. Yeah. I mean the, the like where you just like you you queue up songs so yeah. you can have just like yeah. whatever kind of list to your yeah in the moment thought process. Yeah, I had to make myself. I I was getting so short attention span about uh-huh. my listening habits that. I, I started just like picking out an album and it would be like, like tapestry, <laughs> just listen to Carol yeah. King's tapestry in its entirety today or yeah. Yeah. running on empty by no, Jackson Brown. Yeah, just, I remember just listen to this, hearing you say that on a previous episode. Yeah. And, and I thought that was like a good, like when I heard, I don't know which episode of, no, how, I, how I remember I when it was, was happening, I was like, I'm doing this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. An, took, an intentional reading It took back. effort. Yeah, man. Yeah, it does. It does. I mean, to broaden your attention span, like stretch it back out a little bit. Like, hey, just listen to this dude's record. It's only 42 minutes long. My God. I think of it in terms of just sort of entering like a different wrinkle of reality or just like someone's perspective on the world and like inhabiting like, you know, yesterday at the hot spot for the 4th of July, we played with Andrew Cashin. Yeah. And um, I mean, his set was that band is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His song, his, I just saw pictures of it. And I was dude, just like, my God, every, it's like walking around the audience, like laying down with people. I know, blankets. man. <laughs> well, and the, you know, and the thing is like, that's like, that's like Neil Diamond type of shtick or whatever, but like, you know, there's real songs there. And yeah. And so, but also like the, it, I, as funny as, as it is shtick wise, it, it's like real, it, he's something about him is really trying to connect with people dude it's real shit i mean because you know what i mean giant dog sweet you know the guy yeah yeah, yeah. I, you know maybe it's just because i saw it live yesterday and i'm like man but that guy's been quality everywhere he's done oh god point being is you know to our conversation about the about the long play format versus playlists and singles and stuff is you know uh, people put effort into creating like a sort of coherent vibe cohesive mm-hmm. journey yeah and there is an element of, I feel like, just like getting lost in that world if you just let it run. Yeah. His record's a good example. Of and that's Yours great. is too. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. I, you know, I tried to make it that, I tried to walk that line between like being variable, different moods, but also a common strand of themes and, ha- and, yeah. and have, the, have it all run together in a way that made sense, so. Are you like an everyday writer guy? Do you wake up and do the... No. If I weren't such an administrator, <laughs> I probably would be more... Oh, right. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Um, I Once I... I've noticed I have kind of like a long-term cycle of all, you know... Once I finish a project, there's kind of like, oh, you know, and then slowly I'll begin to like 
finish things, tie up loose ends, begin to conceptually reassemble what I have finished to work with or what I have halfway finished to work with. I'll slowly start to polish things off, get the group together, demo them, start kind of working them into the set, find out the studio situation. And then at that point, the creative part has been done and I'm then I'm in the conniving and planning process and then I'm back onto the right the yeah like right now you're emailing people too much to for sure sit down and write a song for sure yeah right now I'm like trying to promote I'm trying to lay the groundwork to be as successful as I can on a DIY yeah basis and uh you know I'm looking really forward to getting back to being creative again because I've you know I have one verse and one chorus for a ton of tunes and uh and Alta Mesa is going to put out kind of our first, going to put out like our more kind of like rock and roll rock type and, of yeah. thing. Like next spring is the idea. We've got eight songs for that just about done. And we're going to do like kind of eight songs as this one, uh, as this one piece. So now I imagine yeah. it's pretty easy when you get a song idea where it's going to go. Well, dude, I, I love to play with my looper pedal. That's like, like a, just like a guitar looper, you yeah, know? Yeah. That's like mostly how I come, you know, when I'm trying to think about like what the sort of more developed arrangement of something is going to be is I'll just lay down, lay down some rhythm or lay down a riff and then see how I can overlay that. And then at that point, just, just a matter of subtracting and figuring out where things come in and go out. And that's a really fun compositional tool for me. Um, So that's kind of how a lot of stuff starts or like just been messing around on my stand up piano too as a different different way of thinking of things yeah it's interesting because you'll come up with different it's a different approach man it's yeah percussive yeah 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 it's interesting because i have that thing where i i end up like all of these instruments and and toys and things are here because i get bored so i'll just strum a g when i pick up a guitar and i when i want to do something different you know what i mean as a writer like yeah. i'll program a drum machine and take out the bass and yeah. then just like come up with something that way and then come up with different chords. Even if it's still G that I'm hitting on the bass, you can do some different chords around that G bass note. Different tempos, <laughs> yeah. different rhythms, yeah. um, different inversions. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, there's ways to make the old new. For Sometimes your, for when you don't know an instrument very well, yeah, you end up really coming up with interesting shit. The naivete is, uh, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's like the whole, it's like, the line between like virtuosity and like total novice approach is like they can both give you a lot and it's like where do you fall on that spectrum yeah 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 like i think someone like joni mitchell and and somebody like uh daniel johnston Mm -hmm. equally great songwriters yeah right sure one person's very schooled dude and the other person is is just like making music and it's a wide and it's a wide world man and it's all it's all music it's all creative it's you know some of it's art um but you know if it has that spark for you right when you hear it and it you know whatever that quote about the chief purpose of art is to inspire like yeah. if, if it inspires you and puts you you know kind of on your own thought process about something then that's a successful piece yeah probably. So that 4th of July thing at Hotspot was you, Andrew, 
Chief Cleopatra. Oh, yeah, I had her on the show. Lisa, yeah, yeah. and uh, Bob Schneider. And yeah. Bob, yeah. yeah. Do you guys, I was uh, like, was there a lot of people out there? Yeah, there's a pretty good yeah. amount of people, yeah. Yeah, we, we opened up, I opened up with the with the Evan Charles project, um, but there were... Did you fireworks and shit? Um, I was gone before it got dark, because mm. I like was yeah. a little worried about my dog. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I wanted to like make sure like, and I don't know, there was just like a bunch of dogs like at my parents' house, and I was like, dude, I'm gonna take you over here, buddy, and we'll just do this together. So, yeah. Okay. Um, last time I played out there, my sound person was like, shit, you should have brought your dog because <laughs> she could have just hung out with her the whole time. Yeah. I think that if the, that would have been true, there's, yeah. there's enough space there. Yeah. Um, but with the 4th of July firework variable yeah, in Jesus. play, I was like, uh, you know what? Yeah. Forget about that. She's not afraid at all. That's good. I can't, I've never met a dog like that. Like as soon as the fireworks start, she's like, what is going on? What's going on? Like, yeah. yeah. Does that mean we go play now? At my grandma's house, she was outside and it was like, at New Year's, it was like the fucking end of the world. And she was just like, <laughs> like what's going on? This yeah. is crazy. Yeah. Hey, this is really First fun. First dog I've ever met in my life that's like, doesn't give a shit. Um, I, I, what is your live band? How many people is it? Um, it's variable. I mean, I... In an ideal situation, it's, well, the real ideal situation I've only done once aside from being in the studio, which is like six piece, which is like keys, steel, electric guitar, bass, drums, myself. Yeah. Um, That is expensive. Yeah. That's why I only, that's why I only did it once. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, five piece, like either piano or steel and then guitar bass drums me yeah um but for this hotspot thing i did four piece because one of the guys that plays guitar with me doubles on steel so he'll oh. he'll switch off so that that's kind of like a two for one situation yeah um, who's that his name's charles lander he's uh he's like a mechanical engineer actually he's you know he's like friends with some of my friends from outside of music but he's awesome but he's not like, I mean, he plays with a few friends here and there and stuff, but he's not like a super duper, like in the fabric of right, the right, scene, right. as far as I can tell anyway. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, and I've done tr- done trio format with this, like at Meanwhile Brewing, we did just power trio. And so I don't know, part of the thing with this project was that I could be variable from, from one all the way to five or six. Right. So... So um, did you see Bob play? I bit? caught I caught the first couple songs. Yeah. And, yeah, and then it was like, all right, getting dark. Yeah. He's good, man. It's funny that the weird uh like we've been friends for a long time, like 30 years. 30 years. And uh it's funny the sort of the there's like the oh, he sings about blowjobs too much. Oh, what the hell is that guy's problem? Like I think a lot of it stems from that he was so, like 20 years ago, he was so like in your face, like mm. he was on the side of buses and fucking, you know what I'm talking y- about? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just kind of like being a it was pro- an easy, provocateur. Yeah, but it, and and uh, he's an easy target for people to go like, oh, that guy's a dick. You know what I mean? Sure. Like it's just easy. Sure. But um, he's really good. 
and he's really like fucking he's so prolific yeah you, and, don't, you don't make it this far yeah for every blowjob song there's a there's a regular song that would kind of blow <laughs> your mind poetically you know what i mean yeah yeah i mean i just caught what i've seen in live sets to be honest with you it's that's yeah. a little sort of before my my era i mean i kind of only started getting active in the Austin music scene around like 2008 and I'm not, I mean, obviously he was still doing stuff around then or whatever, but he had already done so much right, leading right. up to that as well. Yeah. So I was like, I don't even know where to start. I'll just watch the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Cause he is, he is extremely like he writes a song every day. That's yeah. Right. No, I mean, that's, <laughs> I, I respect that. Even if you're just going to take the five songs you wrote Monday through Friday and uh, pick the best parts of all of them and Frankenstein one really good one. Yeah. You know, that's, I think if I were ever on that kind of routine, that is ultimately what what would end up happening. It's just be sli- slice and dice the best parts and right and try and make one really good one. Who like who who inspires you? Uh, like I know you songwriters. Got, like well, you got like uh, for this particular project, there's Graham Parsons and that's like uh, and Jayhawks and Wilco. But what else? Yeah. I mean, I mean, we're all pretty inspired by them. Oh, of course. I mean, my I probably don't have a great answer to this question. I mean, you know, looking at your Paul McCartney uh, piano book there, I mean, like the Beatles are, I always cycle back to the Beatles. I always cycle back to Stones and Dylan. Um, is that funny? Well, they just, all their stuff is just so know, deep, know, man. I know, I know. They, they really cover the gamut between those three yeah. artists. But I mean... You know, the simplicity, but just, you know, the simplicity of CCR. Yeah. I love, um, like, but I mean, more modern artists. I mean, I really like that last, like, Waxahachie record that came out. Uh, it's called St. Cloud. Um, I listen to that. Some really good songs on that. And then she did a... Uh, like a, a duo, I think like a one-off duo group with Jess Williamson called Planes, and there's some good songs on that that I was listening to on the way back from Dallas recently. Um, man, just, uh, I just try and go for stuff that's tuneful, stripped and simple, but still holds up and gains depth as you hear it more. Yeah. Because my... My kind of spastic brain of maybe like 10 years ago was like, how do I like mess with the rhythm in a crazy way? How do I like work in like weird key changes and chord changes? And it's just like there's the level of like esoteric, um, just like self-indulgence getting into just like going off on like these musical explorations yeah. is like not where I like want to be I don't want to be on the other side of that as somebody else's audience you know I want like yeah yeah I want like uh, I want like crafted crafted stuff that like exercises restraint but also like has its own perspective um and you know doesn't doesn't talk at you um so and and has kind of like an air of mystery and and uh sort of hard you know something you can't figure out all at once at the same time you know right there's you have that in your lyrics like do you when you write a song there's uh do you know mary gaucher i've heard the name um or what about darden smith 
You know, yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah. So th- I heard I heard your episode with okay. him last year. Did we talk was. about the thing with the forty hours? Because she told me this thing of that she spends forty hours writing a song, and I was just like, "Yeah, what the fuck is wrong with you?" You talked about that <laughs> with Boer on your last episode I did. too. Am I talking? And- about, do no. you listen to a lot of episodes or am I talking about the same no, shit? No, no. <laughs> I, I listen, I probably listen to like one out of every five episodes of this wow, it's podcast. Really nice. Thank you. Dude, I love it. I appreciate I, it. I kind of, I kind of consider this like a public service and like a, oh, dude, thank you. A piece of like connective fabric for like musicians and music interested people of Austin, you know? It's yeah. like, because it really does like draw, it really does connect dots. Um, Thanks, man. Between people. Yeah, that's, that's nice why. nice to hear. Oh, dude. I mean, yeah. I love it. I, you know, we all benefit from it. That's all I do too. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I get that 40 hours on a song thing. I, I get that because you may walk around with it for a long time and I may, you know, I may go sort of like thumbing through books in my house trying to just just looking for a symbol that I can turn upside down or something mm-hmm. or a, or a phrase where I can invert the syntax and sub in you know a lot of my songwriting is essentially just collaging um different things that I that I see and read even if it's like a from a painting or something and turning that into words like yeah most of my songwriting I would I would say is some kind of form of collaging and repurposing so Sometimes you, I mean, you could, you could see how that would take, you know, maybe in aggregate that might take 40 hours before you put the final period on the page. Right. You know, I think they mean like actually active. Yeah. Writing and pouring over it. Yeah. Well, I mean, some people, (laughs) some people write long form and condense. I mean, you know, there's there's all different ways to do it. I mean, you got to imagine like some of those songs that Dylan wrote in some of his phases, he probably did take that long to write some of those songs because that's a lot of editing. See it and don't look back. Yeah. I mean, he's just hammering away and it's, and it's it's blocks of, of prose. It's not verse. Exactly. So yeah, that's, you know, and that's what I was saying earlier about like, you know, maybe you just like go go for volume if you have the time in your life to be dedicated like that and then and then you just you know extract yeah so it's just different ways of doing it you know it's like in Mick Jagger you hear about them writing all the lyrics for Exile on Main Street by the cut up method and right and you know Bowie too and 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 Radiohead too you hear about that with Kid A oh really a lot of like cut up method yeah so I did that with Patty Griffin. We wrote yeah, a song. We, yeah. we had heard about the cut-up method. Oh, yeah? We like, let's write a song. How'd it turn it. out? Good. Really good. What song is it's it? It's not on a record or anything. Oh, okay. It's a song called On Our Way. I have a recording of it. It's good. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, man, I'd love to hear it. I'm such a... I love, I love her stuff, man. Yeah, me too. She's like so freaking raw and driving, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, whenever that don't, don't, let me, uh, don't Let Me Die in Florida or... Don't leave me buried in Daytona. Whenever that song came out a few years ago, I, I was like, uh, "I think it's called Don't Let Me Die in Florida." I could be wrong, but anyway, I'm I'm just uh, I I'm. Really we used to be really good friends. We're not friends anymore. Okay, I lost her in a divorce. Oh man, like yeah, but like twenty years ago. Yeah, <laughs> friends friends with uh, she's closer with someone else than yeah. uh, you kind of had a split yeah, yeah, from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. it goes, man. That's how it happens. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, Do, it's the idea do you read uh, is that where do you get like I, the ideas for songs how much of it is autobiographical how much of it comes from different stuff and like you were saying they're kind of like 
amalgamations of things you've heard because they're they they are very there's a a uh an open-ended poetry to your lyrics mm-hmm. from what i got from mm-hmm. you know uh, what i'm saying like there's a i can make those songs about me yeah well i want if it, i wish i want it to be bigger than my own, the own specifics of my own life right part of that is just like i don't necessarily think that like my life is particularly interesting i mean i'm just kind of like working and trying to like do my thing you know and like find a way to make music and find a way to like write interesting songs and if that means sort of putting you know putting myself in a different perspective um by by using ideas that are sort of grab bagged like an octopus yeah. from different sources yeah. than that you know to me that's more interesting it keeps it fresher for me and uh it broadens things beyond the scope of my own you know fairly conventional life you know so um with this record um you know it's funny this is probably the first time that a lot of the songs were actually just like the seed of them was birthed from just like being in a situation and just like getting the first uh the first little bit like um I can name a few like that last song on the record horizon line from which between two worlds, uh, the title, the LP title comes from, I was at my buddy's ranch and we went up on this hill and the sun was setting over, over the horizon. And it was just like this orange glow on top of, um, you know, a darkened, a darkened horizon line. And I saw that and I just like, hurt you know i just like got the chorus pretty much um and it looked it did look like a fire on the edge of a blade a fire on the edge of a knife you know and like that's just like an image that just was like obvious and in my face and then i filled out the narrative around hearing that chorus upon see upon having that experience right i wasn't even thinking about a song at that you know walking into that Right. Um, or like the opening track, Remember When, you know, I was seeing, I'm really good friends with uh, J.D. Clark, who plays at the White Horse all the time, country singer. Um, and, you know, I was I just walked into the White Horse and was watching him play. And a lot of the times it just comes down to like, oh, I don't have one like that. Yeah. I would like to have one like that. Let me see if I can do it in my own way. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Those are just two at risk of being long-winded. No, no, no. But. That's this is the great format for a long-winded person. <laughs> um, I, I, I feel like over the last five years, I've done a lot more of that because I feel like if I look at my at my songs in as a catalog of as a piece of work up mm-hmm. until like five years ago, mm-hmm. it's like a person just constantly examining themselves <laughs> psychologically and, yeah, and, and what then, they're going through and where they are. And then eventually I started branching out, zooming out a little bit other things. Yeah. Yeah. But it's all very like, it's interesting. Cause I mean, I don't think there's one's good or one's bad. I think one can get exhausting. And I think I got exhausted of telling people how I feel about everything and then realized like there's another way to tell stories. And it's something about it is that I feel like in my songwriting, and I don't. What I'm trying to get to is trying to figure out what it what it is to use. For a long time, songwriting was how I worked out the shit I was going through all the time. 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Almost, but almost like verbatim, like the sure. song, like someone could hear the song and be like, I'm sorry, dude, I didn't realize I did that to you. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, you know, Shattered Love and Last Goodbyes on this record that, you know, yeah. that's on the totally opposite side of the coin from the way we've been talking about all of this Shattered Love and Last Goodbyes, you know, that was a very real situation. Right. That was a very real sort of rupture of a relationship from a long time ago, you know? Yeah. Um, but I still had the song. Um, and you know, I mean, yeah, there's some, there's some real situations there. Um, but I'm just more interested in, I'm just more interested in like, you know, exploring like why do our brains have like the dreams, visions, and fantasies that, yeah. that we're capable of concocting, you know, yeah, which is like the return is like that after that Carl Jung prelude that I put in the interlude yeah, yeah. towards the end of the record. And then, you know, that was one where it was like, I thought it would be appropriate to have uh, Carl Jung talk about dreams or visions of the future. Oh, it's actually his voice. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was, from, I took that just from a interview on YouTube, but before I, before I went into that song, the return, which yeah, is yeah. a very dreamy, swimmy, uh, landscape yeah. painting essentially, you know? Um, and that's, you know, that's fun too. Just. Have you ever been to the reading room, the, the Carl Jung reading room in Houston by the museum of modern art? Oh my God. No, it's pretty cool. But I have to go it's when like I fuck a building just dedicated to his trip. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty Wow. Amazing. No, I have yeah. to go. It's funny. It's funny how artists are so attracted to him. Like when you come across him as like a, a creator, mm-hmm. Something about him, like there's, like that's a guy that most creative people know who he is. <laughs> you know what I mean? We traffic in symbols and archetypes as yeah, exactly, as exactly, writers, exactly. You know, yeah, and there's yeah. a reason. You know, we're all trying to kind of put our finger on why certain objects, shapes, symbols, colors, Correct. why they have any kind of sort of. Um, ability to shape or shift our, our emotions. Yeah. You know, like that's a very mysterious thing. Yeah. And so, you know, his life's work was to explore that. So, I mean, that's what I find so intriguing about his, his sort of trip and his thought process. Yeah. It's funny that, that whole era of people that like, uh, twenties, like Freud, Jung, the whole Dada art movement, the Bauhaus fucking architecture movement, like all of this stuff that I don't see a lot of, uh, I know that everything informs each other, like whatever's happening in the psychological world, in the medical world, in the artistic world, in the, in the music world, in the, you know what I mean? Like they all kind of inform each other and they all kind of feed off of each other and move along, but never, I, I've not ever seen it so easy to see as that era of, of uh of history yeah yeah i mean you can see it in t.s Eliot. yeah you can see it in <clears throat> in herman hess yeah who, who are those are exactly those are two like totally huge uh you know probably more influential on me than most music or musicians really? um so and yeah so yeah you're 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 totally right about that being yeah. all sort of like a concentrated thing and uh, hess is another guy like there's not a lot of 34 year old guys that probably have read siddhartha you know what I mean? Uh, I think that's the one that most third most, people have. Okay. <laughs> but I but I have gone really deep on his on his uh 
his bibliography. I only read that. I think there's another book I read, uh, Damien. Yeah. Is that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those are the only two I read. Um, I love Narcissus and Goldman. Oh, it's incredible. I've never read it, but I Dude, it's so good. Did. I just reread it uh, a few months ago. Um, yeah, The Glass Bee Game was his final one. Um, Steppenwolf is another kind of cult classic. Right. Or, you know, bigger than cult classic. Um, did they name that band after? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I think it was like kind of in the zeitgeist of like the 60s because like sure, yeah because my mom was one of the like my mom was a yeah. 60s hippie person so that's why all that like she gave me Siddhartha Reed when I was like 15 well like, it's all about yeah. this guy like walking down like hallways with many doors and like you know having like basically like like wild ass like psychedelic uh, trips like right. going through some some city in Germany or something you know yeah. so of course that's going to be like in the you know, tune out, turn on. Yeah. Do you ever read that Carlos Castaneda guy? I've read some poems, but not for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but I definitely, I, you know, I'm in, I'm into picking up anything and at least trying to get a little something from it. So, yeah, I don't, it seems like there's not a, or at least I'm not hearing about a lot of those kind of writers like out there kind of like they're writing novels, but they're, philosophies along with you know what i mean yeah like mine expanding novels yeah i'm trying to yeah i don't know i don't know i'm like yeah i mostly am just like stuck trying to go back i think maybe the most modern uh philosophical and novelistic mashup i've read is recently is like watchmen which is from 1985 and that's and that's a graphic novel you know yeah but that has a lot of philosophy packed into it for sure. Yeah. A friend of mine gave me that graphic novel like 15 years ago or something. Like He's like, you never heard of this? I'm like, no. And I read it. And it was like a, like a couple months before the movie came out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's one of those ones where it's like there's no way to capture the writing in the movie. I, no. Yeah. So, no. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I don't I don't even have that much time to read and it's anymore. So it's, yeah. I feel like a little bit of a... Like I'm faking it right now. <laughs> Although I have, you know, I've read a ton in my life or whatever, but just not as much recently. Yeah. You know, who's, uh, this, this conversation is terrible to have with Bob Schneider. Cause he starts fucking like, like, uh, English teacher starts going like, what do you think of, uh, so-and-so's character? Like he's totally <laughs> like that guy. Like, yeah. And then looks at you like, you didn't read this fucking book. <laughs> yeah. He's like <laughs> yeah. testing if you did the yeah, assignment yeah. or yeah. were you paying attention? Exactly. Yeah. Terrible. Um, so you're doing these shows by yourself in the Northeast? Yeah. That was my hand, by the way, people. Yeah. Did a hand fart. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just flying up with my acoustic and staying with Chris. And, you know, I've pretty much got my uh, harmonica game pretty, pretty, oh, yeah. pretty tight. So I've been, you know, I mean, that's the way that I can, you know, doing these solo gigs at places like, Vista Brewing at some of these restaurants around town, you know, it's just like go make a couple hundred bucks in an hour and put it in the, put it in the stash. And so I've been, I've been doing a lot of that over, ever since COVID really. To try to fund this record and your other projects. Yeah. 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 And just be able to like take, take a loss for the band if I need to, et cetera, you know, because I, I have the opportunity and ability to go work on my own in ways that they don't accompany people accompaniment people don't yeah right yeah yeah so 
That's cool. I, I, that's a difficult thing to straddle that I don't think a lot of people talk about. Is like, how do I make this that like, you know, you can sell, I'm, I'm sure, a number of CDs, but not like if it was 25 years ago where you would make all your money back in two CD release shows. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Private gigs too somehow oh, randomly find their way to my email. I don't even know how. Um, so, huh? you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. A little better. Do you co-write with people? Do you write with people? Um, sometimes. I mean, I, Sean and I in Alta Mesa, basically everything's a co-write at this point. Right. I did a co-write. But with, I mean, if someone like Boer or something like that. Um, Boer and I have been trading some like instrumental demos. We haven't actually oh, cool. sat down together uh, and like put words to them, but we've just been trading some little riffs and progressions and stuff, texting. He's unbelievable, that guy, man. He, I love that guy, man. Like, I can't believe that fucking record that he did with McCarthy yeah it's amazing it is amazing it's so good I know it's like yeah you know totally cow- yours is like cow- that too man action. oh thanks it's fucking man. like it's like a Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers record like a record you're, you're like thanks man it's fucking great thanks thanks <laughs> yeah. yeah you know I wanted to be like I, you know it's funny it's like well to answer your question I did Sorry. I did um, I did a, I actually did do a co-write with Andrew Cashin kind of he sent me a full instrumental demo and I put the words to it and I actually... It's got a song on the fucking Last Spoon record. I yeah, I know. Jesus. I know. I'm like, hey, man, whoa. <laughs> yeah, and like, it's another thing is co-writing with a real songwriter. I, I uh, On the last Lisa Morales album, the uh, the first track on her record... Um, no shit! ...is called uh, Reach Out. We, co- we co-wrote that together. I think... But I think she came on for that record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, it's like, reach oh, that's great, out, man. try to understand. I love her. She, yeah, she's really really nice person dude and like an amazing singer dude amazing singer um yeah i was i'm so i was so impressed with her i was just was happy to be because uh yeah kevin womack just kind of was like hey man i think if you guys get in a room together something good will happen and and that's the song that came out of it yeah kevin nice dude nice dude yeah nice both of them nice people man yeah um i've known that dude since i was 16 that's wild almost 40 years i've known that's wild that weird from before Austin? No, in Austin. Uh, in Austin. I lived here when I was a teenager and my mom died and then I moved away. I lived here gotcha, for like a little over a year. Gotcha, gotcha. But in that time, like I remember I, I knew someone. I knew a lot of people that knew him, but I was like, hey, I'm, I need a meeting with this manager guy. And he was <laughs> he was Kevin Womack then, you know, like yeah. he, was a, he was a big deal then. Yeah. And it was like, okay, sure, man. So they got me this meeting with him and like I went in <laughs> and I had him tell me this story from his perspective on the podcast because I was like, what the fuck was what, yeah, that? Yeah, what trip what was I on? What did you think of me? Yeah. And he was like, man, I thought you were just really ambitious and really nice. I, I just remember going in there and being like, I'm ready to do this. And he was like, ready to do what? And I'm like, ready to be a rock star. He's like, cool. Got some songs? I'm like, no. He's like, yeah. I'm like go find some songs. Well, I'm 16. What the fuck am I going to be singing about? Yeah. He's like, no, <laughs> no, dude. You got you to gotta have, before you call a guy like me, come in and do this thing you got to have the stuff yeah, yeah and be like hey i got here's yeah. the stuff yeah yeah <laughs> yeah you have you got you got to have the shit I mean, yeah 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 so i mean yeah i didn't know i was 16 i was no like, of course man i mean dude <laughs> thinking thinking back to all the all the like funny a- ambitions and uh imagination and all that stuff from being a teenager being early 20s it's like it is so silly man yeah. you know it's like but but you know you just you have that drive to create you have that drive to like get out there and like yeah. be in the world yeah you know and and uh whatever 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 creative work is the uh 
byproduct of that kind of maybe misguided thing sure. is still, you know, valid, valid. If, if it holds yeah, up, yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, but I, just, I don't know. I mean, I was around, my mom was friends with all these musicians, like real people. Mm-hmm. And like whenever I, they'd play a song and they'd be like, why don't you play one of yours? I'd be like, no. <laughs> now this is nowhere near as good as that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You can put, get put in your place real quick when you're around like masters. Yeah. 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 Also, you can rise to the occasion. True. No. Yeah. And you, and you know, if you're paying attention, you'll learn something and, and internalize it. Yeah. You know, and like I, the, for the, for you to say that my record is like a, a petty thing. I mean, I definitely wildflowers is always in yeah. the back of my head. And even though I know that, you know, the likelihood of, of me ever creating anything that's like as great of a piece of art as that record is, or as, you know, as I hold it dear to myself, you know, that's one of the things where it's like, let me see how far I can throw this ball and maybe it won't get to the, maybe it won't get to, you know, the edge of the park, but maybe, maybe I'll hit a double into left center and, you know, and maybe it'll be like a, a solid thing with that as the guiding star, you know, because I, I definitely with this record, it's like a little dressed up like a country record with with pedal steel, but I, I really envision it more as like a traveling Wilburys yeah. petty record. Yeah. Um, I mean, is that Americana? I guess. I mean, I that's guess. What, I guess so. Yeah. yeah. I think that's. I mean, per, what it should be anyway. Yeah. There's also it's funny that you that you said that because also that I said it because there's a thing about Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers as much as I love like the Into the Great Wide Open. And that era of like mm-hmm. piecemeal Tom Petty records, nothing's better than like, damn the torpedoes, those dudes all playing together. In a Dude, room, you know. Well, and you know the Jeff Lynne approach, like on Full Moon and yeah. and, and into the Great White Open. I mean, that was you. You can't argue with those results. No, they're fucking great. But at the same time, you know that guy, that guy had that. He had that thing that would just like naturally come out of him, and you know between him and Ben Mont and Mike Campbell and the fact that those dudes were all like friends growing up from the same place. Like you can't, you can't underestimate what that means in terms of like chemistry and, and being on the same page in a moment and over years. Yeah. There's another thing too. And I love Steve Ferroni and he's on wallflowers and, and that's a great fucking record. Incredible man. But there's something about when Stan Lynch is in the band, you're like, oh, that's Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Yeah. Like that's, those are the guys that are meant to be together. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's dumber and more thuddy. Yeah. Which is like a cool vibe. Yeah. Really and, cool. And then Ferroni is also like, like that, that's more of just like a jaw dropping vibe. Yeah. That's like, whoa, dude. Yeah. You're like really good. Yeah. Yeah. He's good. I played with Ben, Ben Mont. Oh, really? Yeah. It was pretty amazing. Sweet. And what, what was the situation? He, uh, well, he was my A&R guy's uh, sponsor in AA. Gotcha. And we would go and hang out. I'd go like on the way to the studio with him sometimes and go grab coffee with Ben Mott. who's fucking awesome. Cool, man. And then In uh, LA? In LA. And then he was like, we were recording and he was like, oh, let me know if you need any keyboards on the record. And I was like, uh, yeah. And so he came and I had done everything. Mm-hmm. And so when he showed up at the studio, he was, I was like, well, here, like mute my track. And he was like, no. And when he listened to it, he was like, are you sure you want me to replace that? Cause it's real cool. Mm-hmm. Which is like, <laughs> yeah, you're like, fuck you, dude. Are you making fun of me? You yeah. Know what I yeah mean? It's like, like, wait, are you serious? Dead seriously. He goes into the, to the, to the piano room and 
plays what I was playing, but like way better. Sure. <laughs> but like copped the the melody that I had right. laid down and did it in like a very expensive way, like well, a professional manner. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, I mean, that makes sense. Like that's. And then we told him how great he was. He was like, oh, no, it's all you. That like, makes sense to you. me. Yeah. It's like, cause you, you know, you have the arrangement yeah. in mind and maybe somebody can just do it a little cleaner, you know, that's, and. Or we're using more it. fingers, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. I mean, whatever. That guy's a monster. A but. monster. Yeah. Um, um, dude, this has been great. I, I fucking, I love this record. Dude. Thanks for having me, man. Always. Yeah. Um, your next show in Austin is in Antone's on what date? Yeah, Thursday, August 3rd at Antone's. Is oh, the, so the day the album comes is out. Is the day the record comes out. Um, well, you know, that's not actually true. Um, July 27th, Thursday, we're playing at the White Horse at 8 o'clock um, with Harvest Thieves after us. And next night, 28th, we're going out to Bastrop to play. Uh, Friday the 28th, we're going to play a thing with Jonas. Oh, nice. Um, and then, yeah, making some little extra money at Bangers on uh, Sunday, July 30th. Sweet. And uh, and then we'll put the record out on August 3rd. So we have kind of a little little uh, warm-up run. Yeah. Album release, Waterloo in-store, Friday the 4th of August. Oh, really? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. If I'm off, I'll come to that. Yeah, that'll be at 5. Um, then we'll do our Lockhart thing on August 5th, go to Houston uh, the next weekend on the 12th. I'll go. Uh, so you're doing a lot of stuff. Uh, so I'm trying. People, yeah. people can find this stuff at, at evancharles.net. Yeah, evancharles.net. Yeah, that's right. Um, check out the singles, uh, Time to Move On, Low Road Running, and Remember When from the album Between Two Worlds. Brilliant fucking record. Thanks, great man. Great job, dude. Thank you. Also, great job, Jonas, if you're listening. <laughs> Love you, Jonas. Yeah, great job. Thanks for doing the show. Thanks, man. So Gang, that was Evan Charles, man. Always great to talk to that dude. Uh, his album, Between Two Worlds, drops next Thursday, August 3rd. He is celebrating with a release show that night, Thursday, August 3rd, at Antones. If you can't make that, go check him out Friday, August 4th, at, at Waterloo Records, right here in Austin. Go to evancharles.net to find out all you need to know about Between Two Worlds and, uh, and the shows and everything. I want to thank Evan for taking the time to come over. It's always a pleasure to sit down and talk with that fine gentleman. Uh, yeah, I hope you guys have all, all have a great weekend. Uh, don't forget when you're out there checking out evancharles.net, you can subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you find podcasts, be it Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Overcast, anywhere you find podcasts, you will find a new show every Tuesday and every Friday, sometimes a From the Vault episode on Saturday nights. All right, man, have a great weekend. Whatever it is you're doing, I'll talk to you Tuesday. Let's get down.
Last 30 